Ballas winning Arnold Strongman Classic. He should be much too small to win that competition. You know, that's really a land of the giants there. It's so heavy. It's very static. It's completely suited to guys that are 170 kilograms plus. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. If you've ever heard breaking news out of the strongman world, in the past couple of years at least, chances are it came from one of two sources. Your good friends at Barbend.com or someone named Matt Rhodes. Matt has the inside track to the highest levels of strongman competition, and he often gets news about athletes and events before, well, almost anyone else, sometimes us. We talk about how a love of strongman turned into a growing media footprint that includes interviews with champions, breaking news, and frank discussions a lot of people in the space are scared to dive into, but not Matt. If you're a fan of grassroots sports coverage, especially when it comes to strength, Matt's story is one you don't want to miss. Also, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbin podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to the show. Matt, thanks so much for joining me. We've actually never chatted live, but our team has gone back and forth on social media and email a number of times. It's so great to have you on the podcast. You are one of the world's foremost strongman journalists, to be specific. Uh, how did you develop uh, an initial passion for this space? Give us the story. Well, you know, initially, I think like most people, it was watching World's Strongest Man on TV. I mean, I'm talking about back in the 1980s, my father used to watch it. So uh, I began watching it too, and then just developed a kind of passion from the sport out of that, uh, which then led to me going to World's Strongest Man for the first time in 2000 when no fans ever traveled to World's Strongest Man. And then that's led to just during the time of COVID, when everyone was stuck at home, I decided to start covering the sport myself via YouTube. And here we are. Well, let's talk about back in in 2000. Uh, Where was the competition that year? Give us a a, a picture of that. That was Sun City, South Africa. And to give people an idea how long ago that was, that was Marius Putinowski's debut at World's Strongest Man. And that was Big Z's second ever time at World's Strongest Man. So I quite literally followed their careers from the very beginning. Any uh, memorable moments from from that competition that stick out as the first live one you saw? Well, I guess one thing that probably wasn't so noticeable at the time, but since then was that Big Z didn't even make it to the final. So that shows the kind of progression that he went on from that time. So looking back, that seems quite crazy that he wasn't even good enough to be sort of top 10. Marius definitely stood out as this hugely muscular guy amongst guys that didn't look like him. So that was very noticeable. It was the year that uh, Yuko Ahola was the reigning champion, but had pulled out of the sport because he had been given offers in film. And part of those film offers were that he couldn't risk injury at World's Strongest Man. So it was a kind of changing of the guard. And it was actually his fellow countryman, Yanni Vertanen, that won that year. Interesting. It's uh, it's that for a lot of I think fans of the sport now, that's almost two generations ago. So I appreciate the the historic uh, historic look there. So you really only got to covering the sport via YouTube 
during the pandemic, which is not that long ago. It feels like it's been going on for, I mean, it has been years and years, but really only about two years ago. Are you a journalist or do you work in media separately from that? No, not at all. But uh, I have a lot of involvement in sports. I work in uh, distribution and uh, import export of sport products. Through that, I've worked in some capacities, consultancy in various different sports, boxing. I've worked in football, soccer. And of course, I knew some of these strongmen from 20 years ago because it was unusual at that time that fans would go to these major tournaments. And more so back then, there was more sort of uh, enjoyment in the bar and things, you know, that was a bit less professional. So you got to know the guys a bit better. So that gave me a kind of fast track into being able to kind of do interviews with Big Z and people like this, whereas perhaps that would be more difficult for people who were brand new to the sport. I was going to ask, how did you kind of build legitimacy in the sport? But if you're if your friends, if you have someone like Big Z vouching for you, I guess that the new wave of competitors is, is probably going to think you're pretty legitimate. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, I always try to be 100% honest about it, whether that's good or bad or in between. I just look for honesty. And there's a lot of things that guys in the sport can't say themselves because obviously nearly all the strongman works on invitationals. And therefore, I think there's times when they're pleased that someone like me that has no skin in the game doesn't rely on any organization for anything and can just say what I feel. And I often say something and they'll message me on Instagram. Oh, thanks for saying that. Thanks for bringing that up. And sometimes the fans will say, well, you know, Matt's trying to cause trouble over something here, but I'm not. I'm just quite literally bringing up a point that I've seen and putting it there for people to discuss. Because in most sports, certainly bigger sports, one of the biggest things is a platform where fans discuss it. And in Strongman, there's very little few places where fans can really do that. And that's what I'm trying to do, just kind of let the fans interact a bit more, have an opinion, have a say, and be able to interact with the athletes so they can ask me a question on Instagram and I'll get the athlete to answer it for them. So just making it more accessible, which I think can only help the sport. I hope it can. Well, you've broken a lot of news and helped verify a lot of things that have been reported in the sport, really often acting as a primary source between the athletes and, and media or fans. What are some of the stories or events or you know news items that you've been most proud of helping either verify or breaking originally? You know, I've been fortunate. There's some things such as when Eddie Hall tore his bicep off during the preparation for the Thor fight, I was given that information, was allowed to release that and given the video. And But, you know, there's a lot of other things, such as just we had the other day, Mateus's decision to pull out of World's Strongest Man. Him and I discussed this before this decision went public. So there's actually many, many more things that I discuss with the athletes that never get, goes public beforehand. But uh, that's how you build up their trust by them confiding you of lots of different things and uh yeah obviously not going public with it but i don't know if there's one thing is i would say more it's just the interviews themselves perhaps asking the questions that other people haven't you know i interviewed thor and everyone wanted to ask him about 2017 and double dipping so i asked him and it was no bad feeling he appreciated that rather than everybody talk about it behind his back that someone gave him the opportunity to discuss it so that's the way i see it it's not being rude or too forward. It's just saying things in front of the guys that everybody else is discussing behind their backs. 
Have you gotten any pushback uh, from any of the sports organizers or governing bodies that, you know, might not want certain news broken ahead of time or might not want certain things out there in public? No, because I never, for example, if there's pay-per-views, I never give out the results of an event before the organizers have themselves. There was a little bit of a carry-on last year where I went to World's Ultimate Strongman and there was rumors going around at Giants Live that I had been paid to say bad things and this carry on. But I think those rumors sort of went away when then I was invited to Arnold's, I was invited to Rogue Invitational, and people realized, well, actually, I'm not just covering one organization here. I'll go to absolutely any. Also, I just came back from Siberian Power Show, so I'll go anywhere and cover it all. Because at the end of the day, I'm a fan and I enjoy all of these organizations. They all add something positive to the sport we need them so no i wouldn't say so of course whenever you're going to give your opinion on anyone or anything occasionally people aren't going to like it but i try to come from a positive point of view a, a point of view where it will help the sport uh, so no overall i'd say it's been it's been very good and the athletes have been great to me who are some of the athletes just off the top of your head that you you most enjoy, that maybe you're closest with, that you most enjoy interacting with, interviewing, working with? Big Z, because I was there through his whole career and he is undoubtedly the greatest in our sport. He's the Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali of Strongman. It was unbelievable seeing his career, like I say, from not even getting to the final of World's Strongest Man to just being this unbelievable machine. So... Without doubt, that was kind of the best. I very much enjoyed where Thor Bjornsson got to in 2018, 17, 18, these years when he got to a level that was perhaps the highest we've ever seen. So, of course, you kind of gravitate to the guys that have been super successful. But, you know, I always have something for the underdog as well. I always like the guys that haven't won yet but are on the cusp. I'm always hoping they'll, they'll get there, you know. I can truly say at every competition... I never hope one guy will win. I always feel may the best man win. And I truly, truly believe that because that's in essence what sport is. It's for the best guy to win. So I'm always happy for the winner, whoever that may be, genuinely. Over several decades of following the sport, what has been the most surprise victory that you, or victory or placing that you can remember at an elite competition? It doesn't have to be world's strongest man, of course, but it can be. Probably between two, one people will think about is Phil Fister winning World Strongest Man. That was a surprise. The other one would be uh, Lalas winning Arnold Strongman Classic. He should be much too small to win that competition. You know, that's really a land of the giants there. It's so heavy. It's very static. It's completely suited to guys that are 170 kilograms plus. So for him to win that, that was a big surprise, I would say. And overall... Huge shock, because arguably that's the true strongest man in the world, the winner of that. So for a guy to win it at his size, yeah, that was a unbelievable shock. For, for context, how, roughly how much did he weigh during that competition? You know, I, I'd be making this up a little bit, but if I said maybe 135, something like that, uh, which in terms of the Arnolds, it's, it's small. <laughs> yeah it's it's in the yeah. land of behemoths that's it's definitely yeah. when you look at brian shaw big z mark henry all the guys that were winning it you did have poundstone but he wasn't such a surprise because he was a dominant athlete across all the different uh different competitions that there were but yeah 
mean, it's not quite your question, but Mike Jenkins was a guy that I can think of as well from the Arnolds that I really believe the history of strongman in the last sort of 10, 15 years would have been very different had he not passed away. I think he would have mixed up the world's strongest man titles and the Arnolds with Big Z and with Brian Shaw. He was a huge loss, obviously, not just only in terms of his, his life, but in terms of the sport. What are some of the biggest things that have changed about strongmen at the elite level over the past of, say, 20 years? And it could be in relation to events that we're seeing more of, events we're seeing fewer of, the way competitions are held or scored. What are some of the big shifts that you think have made a, a pretty massive impact on the sport today? You know, overall, the sport has definitely become more professional, uh, has a bigger audience. But in the big, big scale of things, I still don't think it's changed that much. Mm. One thing I prefer that they used to do is, for example, World's Strongest Man would have the power stairs and they would use the infrastructure there, actual steps that were part of the well, was the hotel area for the power stairs. For me, that was much more interesting than now building a set of seal steps and sticking them in the middle and people going up. So I actually thought there were some things that were better back then. But of course, it, it is more professional. There's much more competitive athletes that are there now. You can never be so sure who's going to do well. Back, back 20 years ago, you could count on one hand the guys that were always going to, to win. So obviously, it's better to have a level of competition. But the truth is, and I think people forget that, many of the guys that compete now still work full-time jobs. If you look at Europe's Strongest Man last weekend, I think half that field are still working full-time. So although we think it's very big production and things now, the money's still not actually there where you can say it's this hugely changed sport. Only when all the guys can earn a living purely from being the top 20 strongmen in the world can you truly say that it's changed massively but the live audiences of course like a giants live is a great thing shows like that but somehow the sport still needs to find more money and i believe the way to do that is not in standardization which is creeping more and more into the sport because your average person couldn't give a damn if a bar weighs 451 kilograms it means nothing to them but if someone's putting a fridge on their back they're going, look, mom, look, grandma, that guy's got a fridge on his back and everybody sits down and watches it. So I think strongman has to be careful that as it becomes more professional, it doesn't mean that it should become more standardized. Now, are you saying that we should have competitors throwing washing machines again? <laughs> well, they weren't throwing them, but uh, they, for example, I would say if we take a Hercules hold, mm. for me, it's more interesting when they used to hold a car on each side as opposed to two pillars that no one's got any kind of concept of how heavy that is. It means nothing. You've got to remember the average person has no idea about weights in pounds and kilograms. It's all just on what they see with their eyes. So I think it's an important thing to remember that um, as long as all the guys are using the same equipment, why not if they're using washing machines, if they're using cars, why not? It's entertaining. It's still still that heavy. Why not? What is the strangest event that you've seen live that makes you just scratch your head and go, hmm, that one, that one didn't make a ton of sense to me. I personally, I'm remembering back to the days of uh, the, the dead hangs over a, over a pool yeah, of water yeah. where the competition mm -hmm. was just like, it was just kind of like a, a, a gimme to the smaller folks in the competition, yeah. right? It's just who, who weighs less. 
Well, you know, there was a few of those. They had tug of war and it progressed into tug of war where someone was pulled into the water in the middle. Pretty gimmicky. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a few, but that type of thing where essentially body weight was the by far the most important thing. The same with uh, the wrestling, you know. Of course, it was kind of entertaining as a spectacle, but it was massively technique-based, as was arm wrestling. Arm wrestling, 90% of that is technique. And, of course, we saw a broken arm that year with uh, Magnus Samuelson. So there's been a lot of, lot of different events that didn't actually work out. Perhaps entertaining, but not truly about strength. So I think, I think these days it does have to be more about strength. You can't have these ones like arm wrestling, things like that. But yeah, tug of war where they got pulled into the water was always one that stood out to me as being a bit ridiculous. And I don't think the guys were very happy about doing it either. You know, no, because you 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 lose, and then to add insult to injury, you're just you're you're doused in water in front of all yeah, these exactly. fans. Not probably not the most fun situation. So. Primarily what you cover, you cover the elite open body weight men. Do you do you cover on your YouTube channel or through the content you push out, uh, do you con- uh, cover strong women at all? I have a little bit. Of course, that side of the sport is has a lot of controversy around it. Until they can sort of decide themselves what's best in terms of should they be competing alongside the men? Should they have their own separate entity? There's many different aspects to that. And I'm all for female strongman. I think it can only be a good thing. And I was at World's Ultimate Strongman when they had the men's and the women's. Uh, they did the same events, obviously different weights. but And it was great. And the women were treated exactly the same as the guys, flown out a week before, nice hotel, food paid for. And that, to me, seems like the natural progression of the women's sport. But it does need to settle down a bit. There needs to be some sort of agreement between the women of the best way to go forward because my reservation about covering it too much is that you can get kind of insulted from one side, the other side. There doesn't seem to be kind of a happy middle. So it's almost out of fear of upsetting someone. Is that out of fear of upsetting a competitor or an event organizer? Who no, com- competitor? Yeah, not event organizer because obviously you've got uh, like Clash are now trying to do good things with the women, as say World's Ultimate Strongman Giants Live is starting to get involved. So it's evolving. I think we'll get to a point soon where we can be able to cover it a lot more. But the right now, because of the controversy around it, I'm just kind of giving it time to settle and go from there but there's no doubt there's hugely talented women in the sport some big characters too and i i genuinely think it can rise to a good level of popularity why not well is the is the onus of responsibility there for the organization is is that to come into agreement as you say is that on the competitors or is that on event organizers to standardize how the events are being are being run or to bring those up to a certain level well, it is both, but if you have different organizations that have different outlooks on it and you have different competitors who have different outlooks, very easily things can get pulled apart, you know? I believe that what World's Ultimate Strongman did was right. They invite the men and the women. They all come at the same time. They all stay in the same hotel. They all go on the same day and compete one after the other with similar events. To me, that that makes the most sense. I can understand an argument for not only the women, but like the 105 athletes having their own show, because there is the argument that once you've seen the open class men lifting huge weights, and then you see the other guys lifting lower amounts, 
you can be a little bit deflated with that. So I can understand an argument for saying, let's keep it completely separate. But there's no easy answer. That's the truth of it. In some ways, you get more exposure by pitting them together. But in other ways, perhaps, you know, it would look better as a spectacle on its own. So I don't have all the answers. It's, it is difficult. My my answer there would be to take the 105 men and just make the weights heavier and just see, heavier than the open and just see them absolutely struggle i would watch that no i'm kidding i'm kidding that was a bit that was a bit macabre but i you do have a lot of folks in strongman women strongman you know and and folks in the lower weight classes who are hungry for this exposure and so i i didn't mean to put you on the spot too much there but there is no correct answer i don't think anyone has the 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 secret formula right to making strongman receive more coverage or increasing its popularity outside of the men's open division, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. tough. And there's no, there's no like perfect sequence of steps. That's going to treat everyone exactly as they want to be treated because you're right. Different competitors have different preferences. Yeah. A hundred percent. At the end of the day, if we talk about like boxing, heavyweight boxing is the most popular, you know, when Tyson Fury steps up at six foot nine against Deontay Wilder, it makes huge money, you know? People are always going to be interested in the biggest gladiators in any type of arena. So it is more difficult from a marketing aspect as soon as you go down weight classes. What would you like to see change about the sport of strongman from an events perspective? And you mentioned that one thing you preferred was in competitions kind of using the terrain or using you know the uh what is specific to those event locations and and i would agree i think doing something that is like specific to a location is is really cool and kind of brings you there as a spectator even when you're watching from afar what are some other things that you might want to see change or directions you want to see the sport go in well i touched on it before less standardization we should make this where it's appealing to a, a mass audience but you know, I'm still waiting for a competition that, like World Strongest Man, for example, where you have a 10 to 12 event final, because that's the only way we can truly find out who is the World Strongest Man. There's not enough events at the moment, and it's very easy to cherry pick events to suit someone or to work against somebody else. But regardless, it's impossible to determine who that is without more events. So I think a lot of people in the sport say the same thing. Right now, I'd say probably the Arnold Strongman Classic, for me, the winner of that would be who I would consider the strongest person in the world. But even that has its limitations. And therefore, right now, I think you have to look across all of the competitions. So anyone that can win two or three of the major competitions, that to me is your strongest person in the world. So right now, that would be Martins Lissus, I would say closely followed by Alexei Novikov. Because once guys can win all these different ones, that's when you know. But, uh, you know, Jeff Cron and I did an interview a couple of weeks back and we talked about bringing Fortissimus back in Canada. Now, if that does come back, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Very heavy events, 10 plus events uh, over, you know, two, three days. That's what I think Strongman needs. And then there can be less argument about who really is the best. And I think that would be better because there would be more sort of cohesion then between fans. So, yeah, I think that's what Strongman needs. More events in the final to determine who's the best because these days there's so many good guys that it's always event dependent. Let's take that away and put enough events there where it's not dependent on events. It's dependent on who is the strongest. 
Matt, I really appreciate that insight from someone who's been following the sport for longer than some of our listeners have been alive. You know, where, yeah. where, where is <laughs> not to, not to date you too much, not to date us too much. There, where is the best place for people to follow along with your content, uh, the interviews you're pushing out, and all that good stuff? I have my YouTube, Matt Road Sport. That's the main one. We had uh, nearly 25 million views in this last 12 months, so it's been super successful. I don't know how, but yeah. And then I just have Instagram, again, Matt Road Sport, where there I often do Q&As and I try and bring some of the athletes in to answer the questions. Again, just trying to bring the fans and the athletes a bit more together. Amazing. Because we can't, we can't all go back to the year 2000 and drink in a bar with uh, World's Strongest Man competitors. At least not anymore, right? Sadly <laughs> not. No, those were the good times. <laughs> Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time and thank you for sharing insight into the work you've been doing and what you've built in a, in a relatively short period of time. Very excited for what's to come for you. Thank you. And thanks for everything you guys do there as well. Always enjoy following your content. And uh, yeah, the more, more of us that do it, the better. So long may it continue. Couldn't agree more. <laughs>